0: We were here when Steve was here before. Wow, Steve, look at that, right. buddy. They came well, it's back. it's good to be back at Salem Field. Yeah, it's always good to be back. When people come back, that's a that's good awesome. thing. That's awesome. That's a great sign. I've been places that never came back, but uh, you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, Steve, we're glad they're back. Yeah, we are. Steve's from Harrisonburg, Virginia. He's from the land that God dwells in Amen. most uh, abundantly. And uh, so we're excited. Steve, thanks and, and for our, being and here. Yeah, Redskins fan. Too. Yeah, Redskins <laughs> fan. Yeah. Well, we definitely. You know what? We've never found a Cowboy fan that we can have speak because we can't find them. They're Christians. Oh boy. You know. So. <laughs> well, you know, they got rid of Tom Landry. Yeah, that yeah that's it. That was all. Okay. Awful. Hey, it's good to be back. Hey, how uh, many want a, a, just a real quick uh, miracle story? I was telling Buddy and and uh, Gay about this before. This. I'm still sort of numb over it. Uh, in July, middle of July, a friend called and said. Got some land I want you to look at over in West Virginia. I said, I don't have money for land. I'm a preacher. And uh, he said, I think God wants you to see it. So anyway, I go over and look at it. 524 acres. It was on the market for $1,800,000. And I'm looking at it. And it's like God said to me, this belongs to a certain person, a friend of mine. And I, so took me back and said, I think I might know who wants it. Went home and sat on it for two weeks. Called him. He said, I'll be down next week. Went up and looked at it. He was overwhelmed with it, he and his wife both. We looked all around. He pointed back up to where I was standing. We were having a picnic lunch. He said, that's where I'm going to put the house. And uh, I said, we need to go up and commit that to the Lord. And we go up there and kneel down, and I pray over it and commit it. He stands up and says, I don't want this property. I just want to have access to it. Why don't I write a check and give it to the ministry and let you buy it, and we'll build a retreat over here to take care of these veterans that are struggling with suicide that's what's going to happen. So praise God. Amen. We're excited about it. So keep us in your prayers. Uh, we got at least three houses that we're working on for veterans that uh, are going to be our first three, one in Bristol, uh, one over in green County, Virginia, and looks like one in Dover, Delaware. So, uh, if you know how to drive nails or you have other skills, watch our website and, uh, We'd love for you to come. And you know, we got rained out at Dover this year and we didn't get to do it. So your team that was gonna come, we want you to come back spring and fall this year at Dover. It's gonna be a good time. And uh, I'm excited about talking to you tonight about love. How many of you like to be loved? I mean, all of us. Everybody wants to be loved. Uh, It's just in our DNA. God created us to be loved. And it's sort of difficult to get your head around how to define love. In fact, I looked it up in the dictionary and there are 14 different na- definitions of love. I mean, it involves tennis, <laughs> sex. <laughs> I, I mean, all kinds of stuff. I mean, I, I love my wife, Barbara. Um, Barbara I wanted Barbara to come tonight, but she had another commitment. So uh, hopefully maybe this fall we can get back and, and you can meet Barbara. Barbara and I have been married for 42 years and uh, her and Gay were friends in, in college. And uh, I love my wife. I love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. (laughs) I I do. If I I could do what I want to do every night before I go to bed, I'd eat me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I love to turkey hunt. Um, I love my kids. How do you get a grip on all of that? The Greek language sometimes is a little more uh, precise than the English language. And the, there are at least four different uh, terms for love in, in Greek. For instance, there's storgiae, and that's uh, parental love. And unless you're a parent, you really can't understand it. I, I remember when our first child and our, and our second child, uh, David, was born. Michelle was first. Uh, I, it was an overwhelming moment. It was one of those times... I had the privilege of being with Barb when she delivered. And to be there and to, to hold that precious child that is a part of us, for the first time in my life, I understood parental love. It's, it's different. It's deeper. It's, it's, it's powerful. And then there, there's phileo. That's, that's friendship love. In fact, one of the books out there on the table is the friendship book. I wrote that book after my mom's Uh, memorial service about the three most important things in life your faith your family and your friends Uh, friendship love is really good to experience in fact one of my goals in life is to have at least 12 friends that'll sit through my memorial service and not look at their watch in order for that to happen though you got to put money in the friendship bank and a lot of people are not understanding that. We, we sort of trash relationships. We're this, this mobile society that forgets and we make new and then we throw those away. My father-in-law, who's in his late 80s, has been in a hunting gang up in Pennsylvania for 65 years. Several years ago, uh, in fact, it was their 50th year, uh, so it has been several years ago, this gang, 17 guys, and their wives, rented a bus, and traveled all over the U.S. together as, to celebrate their 50th year. And I happen to know that there have been some difficult times with those friendships over those 60-plus years now, those that are still living. But, you know, they chose to work through them, and they chose to remain friends, loyal friends. Friendship is sort of like compounded interest, I wish I would understood it earlier. I'm glad I got it as soon as I did. But compounded interest, uh, if you put it in a little bit here, a little bit here, a little bit here, a little bit here, just do it faithfully, it'll kick in, and at some point it starts working for you exponentially. That's what friendship. See, there's going to come a time in your life, and in all of our lives, that you're going to need to take something out of the friendship bank. And if you haven't put anything in, there's not going to be anything there to take out. So I want to encourage you to invest in in friendship love. And then there's this other Greek word, uh, eros. It's where we get the term erotica, and it shows how the world tries to cheapen what God made sacred. Eros love is wonderful love. It's sexual love. It's intended to be experienced between a guy and a girl in a covenant of marriage. Nothing dirty about it. It's beautiful love. The world takes it and cheapens it and tries to degrade it and makes it ugly and, and degrading. But there's nothing ugly and degrading about true eros love. It's beautiful love that God intended for us to embrace and to enjoy. But then there's this other love that's called Agape. And, and agape love is, is special love. It's, it's spiritual love. It's divine love. It's not based on anything other than the fact that God loves you, period. In fact, we read in the book of Jeremiah, he says, I love you with an everlasting love. And I want all of us to know tonight, there is nothing that you can do, there's nothing that you can ever do that'll keep God from loving you. He loves you period. He created you. He knows you. And he loves you, period. Now, he doesn't like you to mess up. But even if you mess up, he loves you. And he's always going to love you. Now, the enemy comes along and tries to convince us that, you know, once we've done that, you know, God's done with us. That's a lie belt straight out of hell. God loves you. And I want you to know that. I want you to embrace that, that God loves me. In fact, why don't we say together on the count of three, God loves me. One, two, three. God loves me. He does. He thinks you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalm 139 says, He knit you together inside your mother's womb and scheduled every day of your life. Marvelous are your works, O Lord, that my soul knoweth right well. God loves you. He made you, and he didn't make trash. He made you special. He created you, and he loves you. He loves who you are. Now, all of those loves are special. Every one of them is special, but none of them can compare to God's love. It's the love that we just celebrated at Christmas. I was at a wedding the other week, last, last week, uh, Barbara and I were, and the reception was in this barn, and uh, they had a section downstairs that I guess the basement of the garage, I mean the uh, barn. It was in a barn. And they had (coughs) served um, some cheese and crackers and stuff while we were waiting for the dinner to be served. And the stairs, as you went up, had a sign. I'd never seen it before. It said, love was born in a barn. Yeah, it was. (laughs) Jesus was born in a barn. That's divine love. And it's not based on... Anything you do is based on what he has done. See, none of us can do anything to deserve his love because he is love. I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it because we've sinned and we've messed up. But God says, I love you. And I love you enough that I sent my one and only son to be your savior. That's agape love. You know, so often, people will love you if you meet their expectations. Uh, like, if, if, if I came in here tonight and I looked like a bum, yeah, I think you'd be nice to me, but you have some questions. I sort of fit. You know, I, I saw last night, as I was watching online, Buddy had on blue jeans and a shirt with his shirt tail out. So, you know, I knew how to dress. <laughs> I don't be one of the gang. <laughs> but w- w- one of the things that God does, he looks beyond all that stuff and just says, I love you. And I-, I think that's what he's calling us to do. And there's this section of Scripture. If you have Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of 1 John. I want to read just a couple of verses from 1 John 4, beginning of verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is made complete through us. Every time I read that his love is made complete through us, I just get arrested. You know, I, I've been taught in, when I was a minor and major. my major in college was Bible and then I went to seminary and studied theology. And I've always taught, and I believe this is bi- biblically correct, that the cross was a finished work. When Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, thanks. Um, When he said on the cross, it is finished, it's done. There's nothing you can do, nothing I can do that'll add to what God's already done. It's a finished work. When he shed his blood and he bowed his head on that cross and said, it is finished. But here in 1 John... He says, very specifically, his love is made complete in us. I want you to think through that as we talk about this tonight. Now, first of all, I want you to know that he loved the unlovable. How do we really understand that? The fact that he would die for me. The God of all creation died for me. He loved the unlovable. Several years ago, my son was looking for a car, and uh, I said I'd help him out. So I started reading, if he wanted to use cars, started reading the classified ads. And uh, I remember I found one that said, no transmission. You know, we didn't want that one. Uh, another one said, as is, sort of had a little suspect. And while, while we were doing that, I was in Harrisonburg one day, and there's this brand new van. And it parked right in front of the post office when the, park, when the post office was on Main Street in Harrisonburg. And uh, it had a poster board in the back window and the side window on both sides. And it said, this van is a lemon. And I bought it from this dealer. And, you know, the only thing I could figure is that, you know, uh, evidently he had taken it back time after time and he was not satisfied. So he decided to take some revenge. Well, I ended up, I, I, I bought a car at the Mannheim Auto Auction. I had a friend up there who was an auctioneer, and uh, he bought us a car off the auction. And I was up there that day, and they were, I mean, if you, about 27 lines, they go through there like crazy, and auction these things off about every, seemed like 30 seconds to me. But anyway, they were just rolling them through. And I thought, I wonder if somebody would pay top dollar for that van if it came through, this van is a lemon. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't do it. You're not going to pay good money for that. I want you to know something. I had lemons stamped all over me. And the God of all creation said, I'll pay top dollar for him. I'll give my life for him. That's what he did for you, my friend. And I want you to embrace that love. I want you to know that God loved you so much that he went to the cross and paid the price so that you could be here tonight, totally set free from all sin. He paid the price in full. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can add to. It's yours. It's a free gift of God. He said it's paid for. I want you to have it. Now, why wouldn't anybody want to receive that? He acted out of love. He chose to leave heaven, the king of all creation, the one that spoke this world into existence, the one we read about in John 1 that says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, and he spoke everything that ever was or ever will be into existence. He's the essence, and we read in Colossians 1:17, that holds all of creation together. All of creation literally revolves around the lordship of Jesus Christ, and he chose to step down from that to come and be born in a stable so that I could experience love so I could experience acceptance, so I could experience forgiveness, so I could be clean and made whole in the name of Jesus Christ. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son. I I can't even get my head around what that would be like. To give up my son. But he did. He did it for you and he did it for me. It's not natural love. It's supernatural that God loved you and me enough to do just that. God's asked us to love as he loved. His love is made complete in us. There's a world all around us that desperately needs to know the love of Christ. And it's not just a cute little cliche to say that you're the only Bible that some people will ever read. And as we start this new year, I want to challenge you to let Christ have his rightful place on the throne of your heart so that you can love the way he's called us to love. You know, there there are some sandpaper people. They're always going to be there that just sort of grate on you. And God said, love them too. There's some people at your school or at your job that, uh, and yet God has asked us to be his love with skin on. One of my favorite stories is about John Drescher. Uh, Had him as a professor in in seminary. And he wrote a book. Uh, I forget the title of it now. But in that book, he tells a story about his little daughter, I think she was four or five years of age. And one night during a thunderstorm, she became quite frightened and she ran and got in her dad's lap and she was crying and he was trying to console her. And in the midst of trying to console her, he said, Honey, you don't have to be frightened. God loves you. And she said, Daddy, I know God loves me, but right now I want somebody to love me with skin on. (laughs) That's us. That's us. God wants us to represent him so well in this world that we become his love with skin on. He said if we give a cup of cold water to the least of them in his name, it's like doing it to him. That's what he's called us to do. But guess what? I I can't do it in my own strength. I don't have it in me to love everybody. I, I just can't do it. I need his empowerment. To take over and love through me. How many, I'll, I'll confess, I, I'm mechanically challenged. We'd still be sitting in the cold if, if that been working, dependent on me. My, my dad could fix anything. He, he could take the lawnmower apart, put it back together, and it worked. I can take it apart. But I always got something left over. It skipped a generation. My son David, I went by the other day, and he had the whole front of his car park putting in. I, I said, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm putting in light. I mean, I, I'd still be there today trying to figure it out. I, it skipped me. I, I can't do it. How many have those Christmas lights? If one goes out, all of them go out. Anybody got, Does that ever frustrate anybody else? I, I, about two years ago, I decided to find the missing link. I had this one string of lights that were both identical. This one worked, this one didn't. So I plugged them both in, and I knew this bulb was good, so I started working my way through. Take it out, put it in. I mean, I was being patient. And I get about halfway through, and I put that one in, and they all lit up. I mean, it was victory. I I felt like saying, victory in Jesus. (laughs) I I felt I had a major, but you know, all of a sudden, it was a spiritual moment for me because, you know, that one light, the filament was broken. And it affected all the other lights around it. And until that one light got repaired, it enabled all the other lights to light up. And it, it really was a spiritual moment for me. I, I sat there and cried. And I said, Oh God, I want the filament in my life to be such that it spreads to other lights around me. That's what I'm talking about, my friend. Being so responsible for allowing God to take his rightful place in our lives and experiencing his love in such a way that not only do I feel accepted by him, but I want to share that with others around me. I want people to see Jesus in me I want people to see Jesus in you. I'm still a work in progress, and so are you. My prayer for each of us is Philippians 1.6, the good work that God's begun. I pray that he'll carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. His love is made complete in us. I want you to think how that would affect not only you, but your home, your school, your place of business. If you're so in love with him and you've allowed him to bring healing and restoration into your life, that your light affects all of those around you. You remember that little song we used to sing as kids, this little light of mine? I'm gonna let it shine. Hide it under a bushel? No. I'm going to let it shine. Well, the only way it can shine is for me and you to be in right relationship with Him. And my simple question to you tonight is this Are you? And if the filament is broken, I want you to get serious enough with God that you allow Him to repair it. Just be honest with yourself. You know, sometimes we, we put on this facade and we come into church and we say, "Hey, you know, fine, fantastic, fabulous." And you know it's not true, but you've been conditioned to say it. But I want you to get honest enough with God that you say, "Lord, I'm tired of playing games. I want my filament fixed. And if you've never experienced him, you've never trusted him as your savior. You do not have the assurance that if you die tonight, you'd go to heaven. That's the first place you start. But this message is really for all of us. That filament can break, and I end up not representing Jesus, not allowing his love to be made complete in me. Several months ago, I was driving from my office. I don't know where I was going, but... Uh, I was in a hurry, evidently. And I didn't even know this happened. Now, I did not make any obscene gesture. I didn't say anything. But the expression on my face, evidently, betrayed my heart (laughs) or spoke the truth about what was going on in my heart. Because the next week I went into this church and the secretary said, I saw you last week. I said, really? She said, yeah, I was in front of you and I could tell the expression on your face, I better get out of the way. And I I had to ask her to forgive me because I remembered it. I don't know where I was going, but I was in a hurry. And I remember this lady in front of me was, I don't know if she was painting her toenails or what she was doing. (laughs) And my expression evidently said, lady, would you move over? (laughs) Now, again, I didn't make any obscene gesture. But I think we can drive in the spirit. I think we don't have to do that. I don't have to be that way. And I asked God, I asked her to forgive me. I'm just saying being honest enough with ourselves, and honest enough with God to say, "Lord, it took you just a week to make the Sun and the Earth, Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient He must be. He's still working on me, making me what I ought to be. That's what I want for you. But in order for that to happen in my life and in your life, we have to cooperate with Him and be honest with him, and take off the plastic. And say, Lord, I want to get real. I want you to do a work in my life. I'm going to ask the praise band to come up. And I want you to bow your heads just for a moment. I want us to pray together. I want to walk you through several things. If you are here and you've never trusted Christ, or you don't know for sure that if you die tonight, you'd go to heaven, I, I want you to settle that issue tonight. I don't want you to go in this new year with question. I want you to know that you know that you know that you're his. Because he says in 1 John that if we will confess our sin, he is faithful and just. He will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All you got to do is ask. So if there's any question, here's what you do. You agree with him. Lord, my filament's broken. My spiritual filament is broken. I'm messed up. You know it and I know it. And I'm tired of it. And I confess to you that I've sinned, and I ask you to forgive me. And I invite you to come into my heart and take over the controls of my life and help me to be the person you want me to be. If you just pray that prayer right where you are, God will answer it. Now, that's just the beginning. I know that. But it's the beginning. And I don't want any of you to leave here questioning your relationship with him. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, I'm not trying to embarrass. If you prayed that prayer, would you just raise your hand and say, Steve, I'm in, I'm in. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Others? Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. I prayed that prayer. God bless you. Man, praise the Lord. That's awesome. (laughs) You know, the Bible says there's rejoicing in heaven when one goes. They're having a holy fit in heaven right now. That's awesome. Now, here's I want to talk to those of us who know Christ. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with God. Is your filament broken? Are you in so in love with Christ that you're radiating love to everybody else or something happened in your family, on your job or in school or whatever, and you know that you didn't respond the way you should? I'm not trying to put you under conviction, but if, if something's going on, just get honest with God and say, Lord, I want it fixed. Anybody here like that say, Lord, I want you to prepare my filament. I know you love me. I know I'm yours. Thank you. Others, just put your hand up say, yes, that's me. That's me. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Lord, you've seen our hands and you've seen our hearts. And I pray that we'd simply be obedient to whatever you ask us to do. And we will thank you and praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let me... just clarify something. I never get people to raise their hand just to trick you to make another move. But I have found, I'm just trying to be very honest with you, there's something very powerful about making a public affirmation of maybe what you've already settled in your seat. So if you raised your hand or if you didn't raise your hand, and you sense God's calling you. I want us to conclude our time tonight around this altar asking for fresh anointing, asking for empowerment, asking that he would be everything that we need so that we can radiate his love to all of those around us. My prayer has been for Salem Fields Church through this series of revival that God would launch you into a whole new phase of outreach and evangelism here in this community. And 2016, I pray, is going to be the greatest year of harvest that you've ever seen. But in order for that to happen, we all got to be ready. We all got to be equipped and strengthened and empowered to be who God wants us to be. So I'm going to ask you to stand. And if you made a commitment tonight, I want you to seal it by either coming and standing up here or kneeling. And I'm going to ask Pastor Buddy to come and pray over us. But you come. If God spoke to you, I want you to come right now and just stand or kneel. Don't wait as the worship team leads us.